Welcome to a new episode, Way More Customers. It's your host, Bilal. On today's episode, I have a really special guest. His name is Tommy Powers. Welcome, Tommy. Thank you. Welcome. Glad to be here. Awesome, Tommy. So, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that you're on this episode. Um, you know, there isn't a lot of information about you online, uh, and it was really hard to find you uh, and, you know, contact you and stuff, but I'm so happy that, you know, you're here from everything that I've researched about you. I can't wait to share, you know, your knowledge and your experience with our audience. Oh, for sure, man. I, that's, uh, yeah, I don't really, I'm not a social media guy. I don't really, you know what I mean? I don't really like beat my chest and, you know, press and all of this type of stuff, man. I just kind of do the work. I mean, I need to be more out there and I, I probably, you know, working on that, but, you know, I just do the work, man. I think, you know, I like my track record to speak for itself, so to speak, so. So I just like to put the work in and, you know, when people question it's like, you know, go, 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 go check out my track record. Go, go, go talk to people that that will work with me. And you know, that's how I like to do it. I'd rather other people bragging on me than me bragging on myself. So that's really kind of what that's about. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. You know, on my uh, previous episode, uh, a couple of episodes back, I was talking to Brian and he was telling me that uh, currently when he was working with Dean uh, Graziosi, uh, he was spending about $250 per day on YouTube ads. And then he, he did a one day of consulting with you and you convinced him to move from $250 a day to $10,000 per day. Yeah. That's a huge margin in, in, in ad spend. How were you able to convince him to go from 250 per day to $10,000 per day? I don't, it wasn't really a convincing thing. It was really Dean brought me in for that. You know what I mean? So I met Dean, I've been knowing about Dean for years, but I met him through uh, this Genius Network, which is uh, a mastermind. It's a high-end mastermind. It's like 25K. They got a 100K level as well. Uh, and they got some really, you know, really dope people in there, a lot of really movers and shakers. And um, Dean and Joe Polish, who run that, you know, they're pretty tight. And so, um, so I met Dean there. And, um, you know, some of the guys that are higher up in there who – you know, actually, my buddy Jason Flatland. I don't know if you heard of Jason before, but Jason, Jason had a lot of influence in that in that network, and he was bigging me up. I've been knowing him for a long time. Been knowing Jason since like 2009 or something like that. So, so he's really bigging me up, and so that's what you know, Dean. And he was like, these guys are telling me, you know, you're this YouTube, you know, whatever. He's like, man, I got my team working on it, and I would love it if I could figure out a way to get you to come and help them figure out how to scale us so we can be all over YouTube. And I was like, okay easy you know let's set it up and so we worked out a deal and we set it up man and that's that's how when I went there that day I met Brian that day and obviously we ended up having that was like a 90-day follow-up as well to kind of work him through because it's kind of lay out the strategy and then it's kind of like walk him through the process of now that you have a strategy and you're executing that strategy you know making sure that you you know you're able to execute it properly and they just kind of took off and then they was just, you know, they was all over YouTube. Right. So, you know, let's like, talk about that. Like, you know, like Brian, what he was said is like, you know, he was, he was kind of like, uh, like kind of like, I wouldn't say scared, but you know, like you feel bad when you lose money. So he was always right. hesitating. Um, yep. and you know, his max that he spent in the entire month was that he said like about $5,000 and right. just spending that in one day, 10,000, you know, like for him as a person, right? Like that requires so much change and so much, like uh, convincing yourself and, and doubt, you know? So how were you able to like influence him to, hey, like, say, look, this is nothing. Like this is a small percentage of spending that you that you need to do per day. 
I mean, again, it was, you know, Dean, you know, had the mindset to want to do that, you know, so he brought me in for that. So it was really just more about Brian. It's like, you know, take the pressure off of yourself and put it on me. I've done this before. You know, I'm going to show you how to do it. And the, the fallout from that, if you do everything that I say and it don't work, the fallout is on that is going to be on me and not necessarily reflection of you. So I think a lot of it was more or less like him having the ease of mind to say, you know what, I can go and push because I got somebody who's, who's coaching me and pushing me, you know, to go and I'm doing what he tells me. And if, if I do everything that he say, I can go and say, well, this guy, you know, I can pass that on to him. So, you know, and so once he was able to do it, it was like, you know, a different mindset because it's really just a mindset thing, really, ultimately, you know, but you got to find a place in your mind to justify, right? And so, you know, and obviously I know this of, you know, having done a lot of, you know, consulting and coaching and, you know, obviously doing this stuff, um, I understood that with him and then Brian was young. I think when I met him, he was maybe like 21, 22, maybe. You know, so super young, early in the game, and you know, probably had some 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 um, some experience, but not at that magnitude, right? And so I understood, like, you know, put the pressure on me, take it off of yourself, just do, just follow the things that I'm telling you, and I'll be here to guide you along the way. And I think after a couple of months, I have you, you know, you'll be you'll be you'll be killing it if you just just follow follow what I'm saying, and then you'll just be able to take off from there. And that's that's kind of what happened. Okay, so are you saying that you, you created a system now that's like, you know, plug and play, you, you put in the pieces and then you just let it run and then you analyze it and then it produces like, you know, the results? Uh, I wouldn't say it's plug and play. I think it's, you know, strategically, um, there are concepts systematically that you follow, but um, the execution of it is definitely not necessarily plug and play. Um, there's a lot of if this, then that. You know, and it varies from one situation to the next because every business is different. So you kind of have to do it. And I was forced to do this in my in my career, you know, understanding that just because I did something on one situation don't mean I can carry it over and vice versa. So in my career, because I've been doing this since 2007, so I had to figure out, okay, what are the highest level concepts that if I stay focused on, they're going to get me to the next level up because typically that's what people want. They want me to take them from where they are to some another level where they want to be. And how do I make sure that I have these concepts in place strategically that allow us to do that and then figure out on the execution level how to, how to make it work for this particular circumstance or this particular business model. So, so definitely not plug and play. Um, if, it was, if it was plug and play, I'd probably – I'd probably be selling a lot more coaching, consulting, and stuff like that. And honestly, I really don't even do a lot of that anymore. I just kind of focus on doing the work. And, you know, we get we get more mileage out of, you know, some of my clients that pay us. You know, we it's pretty significant customer value on our clients. So, so it's better for me to really put my energy into that rather than, you know, a lot of the consulting and things like that or whatever. But definitely I wouldn't say plug and play. I, I, I wished it was, but. It's just difficult to make plug and play a reality in the climate because everything changes so frequently and you got to be able to adapt um, to uh, the circumstance. One of the things I teach my team is, you know, part of one of our mission statements is, uh, well, not mission statement, but one of our core um, 
things, uh, I forget what I call them, but it's like agile by culture. Like culturally as a team, we have to have agility as a foundational element because if we're not able to shift gears, you know, you can become a dinosaur in this game really quickly, you know. And this is a super early, this still is a very young industry in the grand scheme of business. So um, we have to have that. And so I had to learn that really early. Like I can't think that I can build a plug and play and just take everything and just plug it in. You got to be able to understand the nuances of the changes and be able to um, to to um, uh, pivot when necessary uh, and go from there. And that's kind of really what, you know, I talked about with Brian is like, I'm going to focus you on the really big ideas that really matter. And then as you move along, because you understand them, you'll, you'll figure out because you're a hustler and you got that mentality and you know what I'm saying? You're intelligent, you're sharp, you're smart. You'll then be able to use your instinct to then make the right choices on the execution side. So I wish it would plug and play. Right. But I mean, you know, like, you're helping you're you're helping a company spend ten thousand dollars per day right so yeah. um and you know obviously you're you're helping them become profitable right and they're getting that back so it makes sense for them to continue spending that right because you're helping them yeah, be able to get that back absolutely absolutely i mean like i said you know for a lot of people that's very scary uh you know to make any jumps like that you know someone who's spending like you know hundred dollars a day on facebook ads you know um you know making them spend like even two thousand dollars uh a day is like very hard to do you know two thousand like they'll spend probably two thousand a month so two thousand a day would be you know, even a lot i think one of the issues with that as well is you know the mindset piece because it's, it's all mindset to be honest with you um and you know one of the reasons why the coaching consulting and everything I'm not as passionate about um, currently because I want people who've already made that shift in their mind that they want that and don't know how to get there because getting you to the point where you want that, that's, that's a different thing, man. That's a different animal in itself. Right? So if somebody come to me with the mindset to say, you know, I want to do 10 grand a day, 20,000 a day, whatever the number is, right. They've already made that decision in their mind then that's when I can step in. So like I say, going back to Brian's example, Dean already telling me up front before I even met Brian, like this is what I want to do and I need you to help my team do that, right? Versus someone's at $100 a day and I'm trying to convince them or get them in the mindset of 10 grand a day and they're afraid of that. That's really, I can't, I mean, I guess I could, but that's just a lot of work. I don't, I don't want to spend my energy on that. My time is too valuable for that. I'd rather go find the guy that's already in the ten, twenty thousand dollar a day mindset, and then help them close the gap between where they are and and that. You know what I mean? So it's all mindset. It's it's pure mindset. But I don't think there's anything that I can say to someone to make them do that. You know what I mean? Like they have to want. Like I don't know. It's just a thing. You have to kind of get that shift in your mind of this is what you want first, then seek out, okay, how do I make this a reality? Um, because if I'm trying to get them to that and they haven't even decided they want that, I'm just going in circles, you know, and I don't really, my patience ain't long enough for that, you know? So, so that's a big shift that I had to make in my career 
from different clients when I was earlier in my career to now the type of people that I work with, they already, they, I have to vet them to make sure that they already in the mindset and they're capable of being able to do something like that. And then I can show them how to do it. Right. So, you know, you just mentioned you know, your, your, your clients that you have are very high quality uh, clients. You know, they have a good mindset. It's already made up. You don't have to struggle about like, you know, uh, you know, price or anything. So Correct. that's amazing. And that, it shows that, you know, you, you have a very established business and you're, you know, Correct. you're in a very healthy stage right now. Uh, yep. so that's pretty awesome. Um, so, um, so when you're saying that, you know, you, you qualify your clients, you know, they need to be comfortable at spending uh, money. Do you actually like, like ask them like, Hey, how much do you want to earn? Or do you actually ask, like, do you focus more like on how much do you want to spend? I focus on the outcome first. I always start at the end and work backwards. I'm a reverse engineer. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I started out in engineering, you know, back when I was in college, I ended up changing my major to business, but you know, my mind functions like an engineer. I'm, I'm a problem solver. So my thing first is like, what is the outcome? Because that's really the problem is I don't know how to get this outcome. And once I understand what the outcome is, then I can reverse engineer a strategy of how to get to that outcome. And then the spin is just a, a function of that. You know what I mean? So um, like most, like really, yeah, all of our clients right now doing at least seven figures. So these aren't people that are coming to me you know, with a lot of mindset stuff. It's, a lot of them coming to me because I got the seven figures and I don't know how to make eight. Or I'm teetering on eight figures and I don't know how to 3X, 5X that. You know, but I want that outcome. And then it's like, well, here's how we do that. And then the spin is just a function of getting there. You know and I mean? You obviously, you start somewhere because everybody ain't coming in and saying, oh, we're going to go from, you know, spending 50 grand a month to $500,000 a month. That's a process, but Nonetheless, like, you know, they already know, they have an idea of the outcome that they want me to help them achieve. And then I just reverse engineer a, a game plan on how we do that. And then the spin just becomes a function of that. So I don't really get caught up in spin per se. I'm more about outcome, you know, creating outcomes with people who got a, you know, a big idea of an outcome that they want. And they're in a position where they're likely to be able to do that. Because then I know that they're going to spend at the levels that, you know, that, that, that makes sense for what, you know, I want to, I want to be able to do in my offer, my, my agency and my team is going to be able to provide where it makes sense for us. So okay. that makes sense. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Thank you for, you know, actually going uh, and clarifying that. So let's say you had to give someone like, you know, uh, just an outline how to, how to get this started. For example, let's say I wanted to release a book. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I've never done YouTube. I've done Facebook. Um, actually let's talk about that first. Like, uh, uh, are you more, would you say someone who wanted to advertise that it's, it's you, you prefer YouTube over Facebook? Currently where we at now, we all, we focus on, um, uh, in the agency. So there's a couple different pieces of my business where, you know, I have partners and, and, and investments and that kind of thing. But particularly with my agency, which is the core thing that I do, that's where the majority of my time is spent is building my agency, building my team around that. Um, we focus primarily on YouTube ads. Um, and um, the reason why is because, um, you know, those that type of mindset that I want, typically what I found was uh, I started getting these people who, you know, we're spending $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 a month on Facebook, 
And that's all we're doing. And I'm scared. You know what I mean? I need to divert. You know, Facebook is acting crazy. You know, they just kind of really started picking up in like 20, end of 2018, 2019, you know, with Facebook and all of the stuff that was going on and Zuckerberg having to, you know, meet in front of Congress and all of this stuff. And people were really starting to be fearful about having all their eggs in that basket. So that's where I found the niche of, okay, if I just focus on these types of people, um, you know, I'm going to be better off. And then I'm a Google guy. So, I mean, I started in Google 2007. It was Google Display. But back then it was called Google Content Network. So I've always had a neck for AdWords. That's kind of how I built my career and my name, you know, really in the AdWords ecosystem, which YouTube is, you need a Google Ad Google Ads account in order to run YouTube ads. So when I started dabbling in YouTube 2012, I bought my first YouTube ad in like 2012. It was very similar to what I was already doing with Google. And then I've obviously 2012 to now, it's a lot different, but I've been there through all of those changes. And, you know, it's just kind of, you know, for me, I'm more of a Google person than I am a Facebook. I got I say this a lot of times, like I got a lot of people that I know that I feel like it's better than me at Facebook ads, but I don't really, you know, and I, and I don't say this to be, you know, arrogant or anything. I just don't think it's a whole lot of people that when it comes to Google ads and particularly YouTube ads that are better than me. So um, that's just kind of how I see it. And I wasn't really on that mindset as, as much till I started getting, I kept hearing the same thing over and over again. I'm spending all of this money on Facebook, but I'm not anywhere else. And I think YouTube is the next opportunity for me. And so that's when I was like, okay, I think I got a lane. Let me sit down in this lane and let me focus on what's going on. And by the end of last year, by Q4 last year, 2019, I made a decision me and my team were talking and it just was like, I think we're just gonna focus on YouTube ads. Um, and we're just gonna, we're just gonna, you know, get out of all of the rest of the stuff and, uh, you know, we're going to partner with people on the Facebook side for our partners and, and, and investments and that kind of thing. And as a company, as an agency, we're just going to focus on YouTube advertising because, you know, it's kind of, it kind of makes sense, right? It's like, these are seven figure, eight figure companies that are coming to me. You know what I mean? Even like Dean, as an example, right? He's just a consultant. Like, you know, this guy's, I don't even know how much revenue Dean's doing, but it's huge. You know, he's, He's a big deal. And so, um, you know, but it's like, look, I want to do this in a big way. And I know that you're the guy that knows how to do this in a big way. And so I just kept hearing that broken record, if you will. And sometimes, man, part of our jobs is just to pay attention to what's being said and not get so caught up in you know, what you think. And after really listening, I'm like, I, I, I think I'm, and it, and it made a lot of sense. And, you know, the agency just start really taking off. So, so I, I would say I'm not, I don't pick one over the other, but I prefer um, as a YouTube agency, people that already figured their offer out with Facebook ads. Because typically when you're buying cold traffic, there's a process you got to go through to get your thing working to the point where if you can spend a hundred grand a month on Facebook ads, even 50 grand a month on Facebook ads on a regular basis, on a regular and consistent basis, the likelihood of you being able to do the same or if not more on YouTube, it's so much higher. The, the percentage of success is so much higher, you know, so that's kind of why I do that. But I would pick one over the other. I just I think Facebook is probably an easier platform for most people to 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 learn and get working. 
Uh, but then once you need to diversify, um, I think YouTube is a perfect platform for a lot of people to really diversify um, their acquisition and their, and, their, and their advertising budget because it's just so effective. And by the time you figured all of this other stuff out where you can spend 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, whatever the number is a month, regular basis on Facebook, you've already got kind of the offer side of it worked out. The rest of it is just figuring out how to like reshape it so that it fits kind of the YouTube plate. But you're not kind of going through a lot of those early stage things with, you know, getting the right messaging, the offer, the conversions, if you're doing upsells, you know, um, you know, fulfillment, like even with direct to consumer e-commerce, one of the big challenges with scaling a company like that when you're selling physical products is supply chain. Um, a lot of people run into a problem when you're scaling, they run into issues primarily with customer service and, fulfill and fulfillment. You know, actually, you know, managing inventory and getting it to people in a time, you know, these things. And so typically what happens is when you figured all of that stuff out and you've broken through to that seven-figure level, for you to continue growing that, you, you've addressed a lot of those things. And so by the time it's like, hey, let's make this fit over here, we're not dealing with that stuff. It's purely just uh, getting it to work on this platform thing. And I just found that lane to be refreshing to me, and I kind of just – decided to park, 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 you know, a ride in that lane for a while. And that's kind of where I'm at now. So, but definitely not one over the other. I think they're both great. I think people should be doing both. And I think you should be making them comp complementary with one another where you're getting the effects of both. You're leveraging them against one another rather than isolating. Oh, I got this Facebook thing and I got this YouTube thing. So, so I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think, um, I don't know. I just don't. I prefer YouTube ads, but only because of the position that I'm in and not from if I was a business owner uh, starting a company or building a company um, that I would pick one over the other. I, I, don't, I would I would just I would I would focus on whichever one I think is going to get me traction and then worry about the other ones. I wouldn't probably do multiple, but. I, I think Facebook, honestly, is probably easier to be honest. But you know, that's probably not serving me well by saying that. But what <laughs> I please. Okay, so you know, earlier you were mentioning, you know, you should start off with Facebook and then move to uh, YouTube. Um, yeah. Were you saying that because you you just get better like results and better profit if you if you focused on uh, Facebook? Uh, uh, sorry, you focused on YouTube afterwards. Nah, nah, man. I, I, you know, we have instances now where. You know, clients are way more profitable on on Facebook than they are on YouTube, uh, even though we're spending, you know, large sums of money. Um, but it's not, it's, you know, the thing about YouTube, and I have to, you know, communicate this to, to people a lot, is that typically what I find is the value of a buyer from YouTube tends to be higher than the value from of a buyer from Facebook long term. But you don't see that until 12 months from now, you know what I mean? That's not an immediate. So if you compare them apples to apples on an immediate return, um, I think that's dangerous for people with a growth mindset of, they really want to grow their business. Um, you kind of want to, you know, you want to be profitable, right? You don't want to just be, oh, I'm gonna spend this money and wait a year to get it back. Um, but, but the way to evaluate it is not an apples to apples thing, it's more of a, you know, if I can get a customer today and I can make money, I can be profitable with that, then you should do both. 
You know, you should do Facebook and you should do YouTube because now what's going to happen is your business is going to be better off. But down the line, you'll see the value of that buyer versus the other. And you can start making some different decisions at that point. And so that's really kind of the way to think about it. Now, in some instances, YouTube just a flat out outperform, but it's not a, it's not an exact science to it. I, I don't know why, you know, I don't know the reason why sometimes YouTube would just blow Facebook out of the water. And sometimes Facebook will just blow to YouTube out of the water. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't know why that is true sometimes, but you know, so it varies, you know what I mean? But, um, I definitely don't, you know, look at it as a, one is more profitable than the other. You know, to me, if you can buy a customer and make money, I want to buy as many as I can from as many places as I can get them from. All right. So that makes sense. And you know, like it, that was so nice of, you know, how you said it, you said, you said you, you don't know which is profitable. You're just testing, right? So you're in like the, the, the trenches, you're actually like just testing and you're just seeing what, what, what it gives you. And then you're basing, you know, some opinions. Correct. Absolutely. Which is no. not an easy thing, right? You know, the data, you have to buy that data to kind of find out what does it mean? You know, you got to spend that money, you get some data and then you try to figure out what is this data telling me so that you can be able to make, make decisions off of it. Right. And that could also mean that, you know, the, the, the data that you're purchasing, right? Like it could be just making you lose money initially. Right. I mean, if that, you know, again, I don't, it's always a challenge for me to communicate that. Cause I don't, I'm, I play a long game. Right. So I don't, you know, my uncle taught me when I was younger, you know, um, when you when when something bad happens, it's not a loss; it's a lesson, you know. So for me, I never really see it as losing if I learned something. If I don't learn anything, then it's a loss. But if I learned something, it wasn't a loss because I can build on that learning, you know. So again, a mindset thing, you know what I mean? And I mean, obviously, in my career, I was in that place, but. You know, as I got more into this game and I'm thinking back on these lessons that I learned from family and, you know, parents and siblings and everything in between, right? Because I can learn from everybody. I mean, my 17-year-old son teach me stuff, you know. Um, but um, it's like, are you willing to learn something? And are you willing to invest in learning that? It's like college. Think about college. In America, a good college Trust me, I know my son is a senior in high school, he's 17 years old. I got to pay for college right now. I'm going to spend at least 100K to send my son to college, not knowing what's going to happen with that investment. So I got to invest now, and then hopefully that investment pays off. So I'm paying money for him to learn, and then we'll use those learnings to then build something you know, significant off of that. You know, it's the plan. And so that's kind of the way I think about it. You know, I don't really look at the loss until I've evaluated and it's like, I did this. It cost me money. I didn't get anything out of it. I didn't learn anything. Yeah, that's a loss. But very rarely when I think that way, very rarely do I get a loss because I always find a learning. I always find a lesson in, in, the, in those things. And that's a tough thing to get your mind wrapped around. I mean, even for me, I have to be reminded. I even have people on my team, you know, sometimes they have to remind me of these things. Sometimes you just, 
you know, you want what you want right then. You want now. You want it now. And, you know, it's not always now. And sometimes I even have to be reminded, like, you know, this is a long game. This is this. This is that. You didn't learn anything, but I learned something. It's like, you know, because my cousin, he's like my creative director. And me and him was last week, and he was telling me, he was like, you didn't learn anything. You know what I'm saying? But I did. And I had to step back from that and be like, you're right. You know? I, that's valuable that he's learning something because that's going to then we're going to be able to build off of that. But it's a different way of thinking. So it's definitely a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a really like beautiful mindset to have. Um, you know, it's, like you said, it's not very easy, you know? Um, so going back to what I was mentioning earlier, let's say I want to, I want to, uh, uh, you know, uh, sell a book I have, like I, I'm writing a book. I want to sell it. Uh, where do you think I should start off from? Like, if I have no audience, I don't have like any, like I'm completely new. I just want to like sell a book. Like, should, do I put it on Amazon? Do I go on YouTube? Do I go on Facebook? Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about running ads, I mean, the math got to work, you know what I mean? So it's like, I want to sell a book. Uh, I want to run advertising and I have money to spend on advertising and I need to get that money back in a certain amount of time. Just a book by itself, it's not going to do the trick. It's damn near impossible to sell a book and nothing else to these people who take this book without, you know, to get a return on your investment on the advertiser piece. So obviously, you know, funnel. I see you got Russell's books in the background, Traffic Secrets, Expert Secrets, uh, Tim Ferriss's book. So um, and I have those books. Um, and... Um, you're going to need a funnel. You're going to need a way to be able to say, okay, if they take my book, how do I graduate them to some other level where I can make additional revenue from these people who buy my book? And it's, it's just a simple math equation of trying to figure out what the math is, you know, having an idea of, you know, what does a click might cost me and, you know, how many of these people do I legitimately think I can convert on my book? And then how many of these people can I convert to do some other, you know, buy some other things from me and trying to figure out how to make that math work. That's kind of always what I start with. I start with the outcome and then I try to figure out what the math might look like. Um, because even though when you test it, the math might not sync up, um, at least you go in with a mentality of, you know, with some hypothesis is kind of how we, you know, learned it in, 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 in math and um, these things growing up. It's like, you know, you have this hypothesis, you develop a hypothesis, and then you test that hypothesis. So, but if you're just selling a book, yeah, you probably want to just put that on Amazon or something like that. But if you want to buy ads, you're going to have to have a back end. You're going to have to have a funnel. You're going to have to sell them more than that book to be able to get a return on your investment, you know. Okay, so that's where I would start. So that makes sense. Okay, so let's say the front end you have a book, okay. Um, you have, you know, a couple of pieces in your funnel. You have like, you know, maybe you want to sell a course, maybe you have some coaching. Um, and, um, yeah, so like, let, let's say that's your funnel. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, uh, create an outline and let's say your goal is to make a hundred thousand in a year. Right. hundred thousand in a year. So then it's like, how many customers do I need to make a hundred thousand? How many people are going to buy my book? How many of those people are going to buy my upsells or my backend offers or whatever the case may be? Um, you know, that's really kind of how it's like, what are you selling? Like, how do you, how do you anticipate collecting a hundred K if, okay, I'm selling coaching on the back end. Let's say I got a thousand dollar coaching program. And, you know, if you need to sell, 
you know, um, 80 of those, that's 80 grand. You need to make the other 20,000 through your book or whatever the case may be then. You know, it's like, well, how many books do I need to sell to sell $80,000 worth of coaching, right? So it's really kind of like going through that process of just, you know, doing the work like some people want the silver bullet. There are no silver bullets, you know what I mean? I mean, there are silver bullets that go in guns, but not in, you know what I'm saying? It's like you got to go through the, the process, and the process is, you know, what is, you got to continue asking the question, well, how do I get that outcome? I want 100K. Okay, if I want 100K, what do I got to sell to make 100K? You know, if you're selling a $10 book, you need 10,000 of them. Your chances of selling 10,000 books at $10 a pop and being profitable is almost zero. It's not impossible, but it's damn near, right? So now it's just a matter of, okay, what's the ratio of things that I sell that gets me that 100K? You know, and now you can start kind of breaking it out and start understanding, okay, I need these many people to buy books. And if I buy these, these many people, and maybe they'll buy my, done, my, my do-it-yourself course, and then a certain number of these people might buy, you know, my, my coaching program. You know, and then when I do the math on that, X number, X number, X number end up meaning I make 100K. And now you got a starting point to say, well, I need to sell 5,000 books or 3,000 books or whatever the number is. And then it becomes, okay, I want to be profitable. How much do I need to spend to make the profit that I want to make? If I generate 100,000, how much do I want to keep? Because the reality is, you know, you can revenue gross and your net is two different things. So what do you want to net? Because if you want to net 100K, that means you need to make more than 100K. But if you want to gross 100K, what do you want to net? And then you obviously, you know, you got to pay taxes, you know, and that's different depending on where you live in, in the, in the, on the globe. But me in the United States, the taxes is ridiculous. So, you know, if I want to net 100 grand, I probably need to make like 300,000 to net that by the time I pay my expenses and pay my taxes and I get to keep that. You know, that's just kind of how you got to think about it as well. So uh, that's kind of how I go through it. That's really like, you know, I know there's more to it and there's a, you, you, there needs to be more specificity in these different pieces, but you got to kind of think all of these things out and, and, and build out as detail of a plan as you can to achieve the objective that you have to then start having some type of hypothesis around what, what's possible um, if I do these things, here's the, here's the outcome that I would get, um, and then I can go test that hypothesis and, uh, invest in the ads if ads is the thing. If ads isn't the thing, I don't really know. I'm an ads guy. I'd rather just, I'll just go buy my way. You know what I mean? Um, the organic stuff and this, that, and free traffic and all of that. I don't really get caught up in that stuff like that. I just go spend the money. Okay. So thank you for, you know, uh, giving us the game plan of how it's done. Um, and um, okay, so I want to make it a bit uh, simpler. Let's say a hundred, okay. like 100K is, is, is in a year. Let's say you want to, you want to make, 10,000 per month. Okay. Um, and you said that you should stretch for long term. So it's three months, a good stretch period that you should be making like 10 K every month until like your third month. Back up, re repeat that again. I, I don't understand. So, uh, let's say you want your goal is to make 10,000 per month. Okay. And you have a $10 book. Right. And so you're starting traffic for the first time. Um, um, how would you like, is your goal to get that person or that book uh, 
as many eyeball as possible. And then you just you, like you send it to everyone and then you see who interacts mostly with it. And then you focus on them or like, w what is the strategy to getting started into YouTube ads? Yeah. I mean, again, it's um, these, these, these things are very subjective, but you know, for me personally, it's always, you know, um, a long game, you know, and um, yeah, I would, me personally, I would, I would prefer to um, put that book in somebody's hands and get feedback from that and then grow from that. But when you're spending money to acquire these people, you have to then also be in the mindset of, I know I'm not going to make any money. I want to, I want this feedback. So I'm spending money on ads to get this book in people's hands because I want the feedback. The, the return on investment is the feedback that's then going to allow me to build on that. And I think that's where the challenge becomes in that because we get sold all of the time. You know, I'm going to show you how to go from zero to $10,000 per month, even if you don't know this, that, and the third, or, you know, without X, Y, Z, right. And you don't have to know anything. You can be brand new and blah, blah, blah. Right. And you know, while that stuff is probably possible, it's not going to be something that I'm going to push because I don't know how to tell you to do that. But I can tell you that, you know, if you're buying ads, um, initially, yeah, for me, I want the feedback is the return on the investment because then I'm going to take that feedback and figure out how to build on that, you know, because it's like, what are your response about this book? What could I have done different? What did I leave out? Blah, blah, blah. Like, would you be interested in, you know, uh, my help? How do you want my help? Do you want me to coach you? Do you want to, you, do you want me to create a course for you? Do you want to da, 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 right? Like there's a lot of different variations of ways you can serve those people, get that feedback, and then you can build on that feedback. But that money that you spent to put that book in people's hands, you're not going to probably get that back in money per se. At least you might get some of it back, but most of it you may not be. And for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be focused on that. Um, but again, if you don't have money to invest in your business, this is not something you really can do. That means you probably need to go work a job and save some money so you can invest in your business. You know what I mean? If you don't got nothing, no capital to really invest like that, so it's really difficult to do that, you know? So I think it also depends on your circumstance, you know, whether you could do that. Okay. So you're saying that, um, you know, for people uh, who want to like, you know, get started uh, and they need to have an investment, like, are you saying that um, like you're really good, obviously with people that are, you know, making like a very high end uh, income and have investments. Do you think this is also possible for people that have a lower uh, investment amount? Absolutely. But it's all a mindset, you know what I mean? It's all about what are you willing to invest in yourself up front to be able to figure out how to build something long-term and sustainable, you know? And so it's, it's, you know, again, it's like, I could quit everything that I'm doing right now, you know? I could, I, and I could start all over again, you know? But, but everybody might not be in that position. Because I can start all over again right now and I have capital to invest in. If I decided I don't want to do any of this other stuff anymore and I just want to go build another thing, I can go to that table with money in hand so that I can invest in building that thing. You know, most businesses, by the way, don't, don't turn a profit for the first couple years. You know, so the mindset of starting a business and being profitable immediately it's, it's, it's not a, 
it's it's not realistic for most people. I mean, it's possible because people do it, but it's probably very low success rate in doing that, you know? So it's all about mindset of, you know, am I able to invest until I get something to work? And I think people can do it. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, wh wh where your mindset at and what are you selling? And, you know, there's some particulars in there, but I can, I've seen people start with a couple thousand dollars and be able to build a, you know, a, a ten thousand dollar a month business. It didn't. They didn't. It didn't happen overnight. It probably took them, you know, a year or so or two. But I've seen people start with small investments and with fifty dollars a day, twenty dollars a day, whatever it is, and then build something. You know what I mean? But you can't do it with no with no money if you're trying to talk about buying ads. You have to be willing to invest up front and and be mindful that I'm probably not gonna get a profitable return in the short term. So I need to find what are the things that I'm, what is a return on my investment that's not money that's going to allow me to move forward. So I, I do, I do believe that, 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 that people can, I, I just think you, you know, at some point, you know, you got 50 bucks. It's probably really challenging, but you know, maybe if you started as an affiliate, right, you could push, cause that's what I did. I started this game pushing other people's products. And I started with, I think I spent three grand before I made my first commission, you know, and that was like the last $3,000 we had. But um, once I made a commission, I was like, okay, this works. And my wife was like, but you spent three grand and you made 30 bucks and I'm supposed to be happy. Get out of here. She was calling my parents and siblings and everything. It's like telling my sister, like, I think your brother lost his mind. You know, he spent three grand and he made 30 bucks and, I'm supposed to believe, but in my mind, I was like, this works. I'm going to reverse engineer this. You know what I mean? So, so I started with like a couple thousand dollars and then I was able to, you know, when I early in my career, this is what, 2007. So I didn't make my first commission until probably like early 08, maybe like February or something like that. And by July of that year, I think I was pulling like 45, 50 K a month and I was spending about half of that. So I was spending maybe like, 20 to 25,000 and making about 45 to 50,000, you know, cause it happened really quick. Once I got it reverse engineered and it hit once I had my, I think I had my first profitable month, maybe like April, April, maybe like April. I made, uh, went from like February and then March. I kind of was like, uh, not break even. And then March, April, I was probably, maybe I made like two grand profit. But by like that July, you know, I just found a thing because I was testing like a bunch of different offers, you know, and it was like two of them that kind of stood out. And one of them just kind of took off and I just kind of went hardcore with that one. And, and um, that, that July, I think I did about 45 grand and I spent about 25,000. So, so it can happen really fast like that. But like that was a grind leading up to that. So for me, I didn't have to have a product. I didn't have to have, you know, employees or anything. You know, I was just buying traffic and pushing someone else's offer, you know, basically. So so there's a way, there's a lot of ways to do it. But if you're talking about a book, that your own book, um, that's that's probably a bit more challenging there. If you are just starting, you don't have no products, you have a book, you don't have a catalog of products, um, it's probably going to be really challenging. But I think it can happen if, you got the right mindset and that you understand that I have to invest 
and mentors, because that was really a game changer for me as well, you know, surrounding myself with people who have figured out this stuff before. Um, but again, I had to pay money, you know, and I still do. I talked about Genius Network earlier. That was a 25K investment, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, but I met Dean, you know, I met Dean. I met a, a bunch of other cool people too, but like Dean was one of the people that I met. Dean paid me money. I came in and I gave, you know, Brian some game and Brad took it and he went crazy with it. And Brian came on your show and bragged about me. And you reached out and was like, hey, I want you on my show because this guy says you're amazing. You know, but if I want to put that 25K up, I would have never met Dean. I would have never met Brian. I would have never met all the other cool people. You know, but again, it's like, you know, I think it's, I think it's possible if you just put your mind to it and you believe and you put the work in. But you also got to be a realist. You know what I'm saying? You got to be realistic. That's why I'm big on the math. It's like, does the math make sense? If the math doesn't make sense, it's probably not going to work. But if you can get some math that makes sense to you and you can test it, because even with that, right, like you can go and test with a $10 book. You can put 100 200 bucks in and know if you own this something or not. You know what I mean? You can test that really easily. You don't have to say, I'm going to take, I need, you know, I got this $10 book and I need $10,000 to get this business off of the ground. No, you can get you a ClickFunnels account. You can build you a funnel. You know, you can go real basic with it, right? You can, you know, with his ClickFunnels, like 100 bucks a month now or whatever it is, right? Uh, you can buy Russell's book because Expert Secrets is an awesome book, actually. Like, that's a really dope book. I have that book. I've read that book. I actually got stuff I've, I've, I've um, circled and everything in that book. And um, that book is a blueprint, you know? So that book, you know, you could get that book. You get ClickFunnels and a couple hundred bucks. And you could test your idea for very, very cheap to get some feedback to figure out, do I feel like I'm on the right path or not? And then you can decide and move forward from there. So it's possible, man, for sure. Okay. Well, first of all, I just want to say, you know, thank you for making it so realistic of what's possible and what's not possible and how you need to actually like have a plan and make that, uh, you know, sit down and actually get that done. Um, yep. There's a lot of things you said, and I want to actually like touch a few. Uh, the okay. first thing I want to like talk about, you know, you said you started an affiliate. Why did you start with that? I mean, my back was up against the wall, man. 2007, I had congestive heart failure, February 2007. It took me about six months to get back up on my feet. And wow. I, wasn't really, I wasn't really all the way up on my feet. So my background prior to that, I had changed my major to business. And after I got out of college and um, I, I, was in the biz, I was in the management field. So leading up to that, all the experience that I had was management. And so, you know, what happened was, it's like, you're not going to be able to go back to a stressful job like that. Um, you know, you can, but, you know, if you if you go back to that, you know, you're going to be putting yourself in, in major jeopardy and you probably need to find something else to do that's not as stressful uh, until you get, you know, find yourself back. But it literally took me like six months to kind of feel normal almost even. And I was searching for another way to provide for my family. It was just a, it was just a hustle mentality of, I know that because I had some dabblings with the internet and I had sold some stuff on eBay before. So I had had a taste of the internet and I knew that there was an opportunity to make a, a living online. And I already believed that. And so for me, I just kind of made up my mind is um, I want to provide my family. I don't have any income coming in because the job that I had, I had just started when I got sick. I wasn't even 90 days. And so I didn't even have a job to go back to. 
Uh, and so for me, I needed to provide for my family. I had two kids at the time. I got three now. And, uh, you know, I needed to provide, and I just felt like the Internet was going to be the way for me to do that. And I just kind of went all in on learning the Internet stuff. Probably want to say like October of that year, I just kind of started doing all kind of stuff, building websites. And I learned how to build WordPress websites and all kind of stuff. I knew a little bit of coding already anyway because I was a computer engineering major. So I understood it to some degree and programming and stuff like that. But um, I just kind of went all in and I just had to learn everything of how to build a landing page, how to, you know, build a website, how to do, you know, design. I was doing the Photoshop. I had to learn everything because I was like, I got to figure out a way to make this Internet thing work. And I stumped in the process of that, trying to learn these skills and get these, you know, get hired or whatever the case may be. I ran across affiliate marketing thing and ClickBank and uh, CPA networks and all of this stuff. And I was really fascinated because the game was really just, if I could buy, if I could send you a customer and you pay me a commission, if that commission costs me less than what you pay me, I get to keep the difference. And I understand that game very well. Cause I'm, you know, my background, I'm, I'm, at, I'm originally from Mississippi, but I grew up, you know, I grew up around certain things. So I understood the hustle, the street hustle. And I was like, okay, that's a, that's just a hustle. Like I could do that. I, I think I could do that, you know? And, um, I didn't know traffic at first, but I was doing the affiliate thing. And, um, you know, I got into the affiliate thing and then I was struggling to get traffic, you know, and I was on a forum and somebody was like, just sign up with Google and, you know, put ads on AdWord, you know, put ads on Google and you can do the traffic that way. And I already understood, okay, if, if they pay me a commission and okay, I got, you know, and that's kind of how I got started on the Google thing. And that was probably, I don't know, late 2007, you know. So probably by that February, I had spent maybe like two, I want to say it was like three grand, you know, and I finally got a commission. And I was like, yo, this works. And I kind of lost, I just lost. But it kind of came from out of necessity. I, I needed a way to provide for my family I wasn't going to go back to management. I didn't want to go back to corporate America. I, always, I, could, I actually started my first company in 2005. I actually still have that company now that we run some of our revenue out of. But my original company, um, I started in 2005. So I already had a plan on being an entrepreneur, but it just got, it just got accelerated you know, a lot faster. And I just decided, okay, if this is really true about what these doctors are saying and the stress and all of this, I'm not going to go back to that. I'm, I'm already sitting here and basically busted anyway. You know, we had maybe like five grand in our savings or something like that. And I just said, I'm going to go for it. I mean, just now or never, you know, and I'm either, I'm either burn out uh, or, or I'm going to come up, you know, and uh, if I don't, if I burn through the money, I'll just go find a job. And that's kind of what my prayer was. It's like, you know, God allow me to find a way to make this work. And if I spend all of our money in the process, um, then that, that's my sign that I got to go work. But I ended up, you know, getting that first commission. And then my brother and my uncle, I, I, I told them what I was doing and they gave me money. They gave me money. It's like, all right, you know, keep going with it, you know. And that's what allowed me to keep going with it because I had spent the little savings that we had and my wife wasn't happy at all. But, uh, you know, my brother and my uncle, you know, gave me money to kind of keep pushing. Uh, it wasn't a lot of money, maybe like five grand between the two of them. But that 
five thousand dollars, you know, by by that July, I I had, I had a you know twenty thousand dollar profit month, and um, it was kind of off after that. But that's really the backstory of what got me to the affiliate thing. It was just stumbling forward, really trying to find something, and I found some dots that connected, and it just when I logged into Google the first time, I I knew like I just. I don't know how to explain it. I just had this feeling overcome me that just was like, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do anything else. I can see me doing this for a long time because I can see the charts and the numbers and all of this stuff. And I just, I felt at home and I, I just knew, I just knew I was in the right place. And um, I was like, I'm going to go all in on this. Even if that, you know, I'm going to spend whatever I got. Like, like I said, my prayer was if I spin out, if I spin out before I get, a sign, I'm gonna go get a job. And literally, I got that $33 commission. I was almost spent out, basically. And because I had that sign, I was like, all right, I ain't gotta go get no job, I can stay with this. And then I called my brother and my uncle, they're like, look, this is what happened, blah, 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 but I think I'm on to something, this, that, and the third. And they know I never really called them about stuff. And so they was like, all right, cool, um, you know, all right, cool, so keep going with it, you know, uh, but I ain't gonna keep giving you, because my, my brother has always been like, you know, I'll help you, but I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna enable you, you know, so you need to, you need to, you need to make it work. So I was able to get them to give me money to keep going. Uh, and that's kind of how it happened, man. Now here we are. Yep. Right. That's an amazing story. Uh, I want to like, uh, actually like talk about like, you know, your first $33, like, um, you know, you're spending a $3,000. That's like a lot of money uh, you're spending, you know, um, are you like testing out like, like, when you're saying you're, you're uh, you know, testing out the, the environment, you're testing out headlines, you're testing out videos, you're testing out sales copy. Uh, what are you testing out and what made that shift into uh, what wasn't selling to a sale? Um, I was testing, I was direct linking. So in affiliate marketing, direct linking means, you know, you're a product owner, I'm an affiliate, right? And you allow, I'm, a, I'm, I'm promoting your product and you give me a link, and that link, when somebody clicks, it redirects, it, it tracks that it came from me, and the person ends up on your website. So some people call a bridge page where they'll have the product, the affiliate, you know, where you send in the traffic, and then you sandwich a page in between where you capture the email and that kind of thing. I wasn't doing that. I was straight direct linking. So my mindset was I'm going to focus on testing on the platform and I was running, I was running uh, text ads and banner ads. So I was testing text ads, headlines and descriptions and different banners and stuff like that. But I wasn't putting anything in them. And so the offer was steady. It was the offer pages were whatever they were. So my thing was I'm going to test all of these other ways to see if I can connect the dots between what my ad is saying and where I'm sending these people. And then I just stuck my affiliate link. I just stuck my affiliate link in there. And then I just tested a bunch of versions like that. And then I just, I, initially I was doing that with one offer and I'm just like, man, I don't think I'm going to get this thing to work. So then I was like, maybe I should do like two, you know, let me do another one. And then it just became this idea of fail fast was, um, I don't even know why I picked that up from, but it made sense to me because the engineering mindset background fail fast is like, if I if I launch ten campaigns or twenty campaigns with twenty different offers, um, you know, if I don't get a sale within a certain amount of time, I just kill it and move on. 
So that's what I ended up moving towards. I ended up just saying, I'm going to cycle through as many offers that I can. And I'm going to base, I think my basis then was probably like three or five X, whatever the payout. So if I'm pushing an offer, let's say it pays out 30 bucks. I'm not going to spend more than $150, probably like 90 to $150 at most before I say, I'm going to kill this. And then I just cycled through different offers. And after I went through that, by the time I went through that three grand, it was like two that jumped out where I basically, this one product called Water for Gas, as I'll never forget, because this is like late 2007, early 2008. And um, gas prices in, in, was like through the roof. It was like $5 a gallon, something crazy. And I was just like, man, I think people, and I made these text ads and then I made these banner ads. It was really ugly. But I was like getting a lot of traffic off of these banner ads. I was just like, yo, I'm going to, you know, and that's what ended up happening. I want to say I spent maybe like a hundred bucks and I made that $33 commission came from that. So I had spent three grand, but on this particular um, offer, I had only spent like a hundred bucks and I made 30, I made that $33 commission. And that's when I was like, and then it was another one. I think it was called, um, 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 uh, earth for energy or something like that was basically, it was like these ClickBank products, you know, those were the two that stood out. And then, um, I ended up making money on that earth for energy one as well, but the, uh, the water for gas product, man, that thing just took off by the time, like I say, by the time I kept testing that offer, um, that April was probably the first time I made a profit, you know, and then May and June, I was going and by July, like, you know, probably 80% of the money that I made in July was off that one offer because I just was able to scale it. So my mindset wasn't, you know, dealing with the landing pages and all of that kind of stuff. Honestly, I really didn't even know that stuff, to be honest. I didn't know what I didn't know. I just felt like I wanted to, I call it um, um, uh, reducing the failure points. You know, so points of failure is kind of the way Again, this is like engineering stuff. You know, my background is like the more things I put in their way, the more failure points that I have. So my thing is like I need to go directly from the ad to the offer because anything in between that is a failure point that I got to deal with, and I don't want to deal with that. I just want to test a bunch of different offers and see which one might pop. And that's basically what I did is like fail fast, and it's like I'm going to test this offer I get to a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever the number I put associated with that. And then I just went and I just went through probably like 20. I went through like 20 offers to find those two, you know, and that's kind of how I ended up, you know, going from there. So, um, that was, that was what I was testing. I was just testing a bunch of different offers, trying to find one to work. Yeah. Okay. And like, were you like testing a lot of different products at the same time as well? Like you just, you just found a, a, a couple of products and just testing everything. Yeah. I mean, I had to spread it out cause I ain't had a money like that. You know what I mean? So I had to go from, I probably didn't start doing Google ads to like October 2007, but I wasn't spending, I was spending like $10 a day at first. I wouldn't even, you know, it wasn't until maybe like December before I really start um, saying, all right, I'm going to test a bunch of different offers. So probably like that December, January, February is when I spent that three grand, most of that money. Uh, and probably January and February was, you know, a thousand dollars or so each. Uh, but then I just was, 
you know, I couldn't do like 20 all at the same time, right? I'd do two or three at a time and I would just, I would just cycle through them. You know, that's kind of what I was doing. I was just cycling through them. Um, I couldn't do them all at the same time. Cause if I'm spending, you know, a hundred dollars on, like I could spend a hundred bucks in like three days. You know what I mean? Uh, some of them budgets might be 20 bucks a day and I'd spread it out over five days or whatever it was. Right. So, um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I would probably test no more than three, three or four offers at a time at the most, maybe probably like two or three at a time. Cause I just didn't have the money for that. But I had the mindset that I'm going to just cycle through as many as I can with the money that I got. And if I run out, if I run through all of that and I don't get no sign, I got to go get a job. So, um, but no, nah, I couldn't do it all at once. I ain't had the capital for that. So I just had to little bit by little bit go through them. Okay. How were you choosing the products uh, that you found on ClickBank? I mean, it was just a lot of sleepless nights, man, trying to figure out what the hell people buying. Excuse my language. Uh, just trying to find out what people are buying. You know, my mind was like, what are people already spending money on? Like, I want to I wanna push things that people are already buying. So I just was doing a lot of research, forums, you know, joining um, forums and, you know, reading and Googling and, you know, just trying to understand, like, what are people actually spending money on that I can actually promote? Um, you know, because if people aren't buying it, I know I'm going to waste my money. So my thing is, like, let me go find the most competitive. I mean, the water for gas thing was actually the first thing that I pushed outside of what I thought people were buying, honestly, because it just made sense to me. Um, you know, I, I was testing like a lot of supplement offers. I ended up getting on the ClickBank thing on the, on kind of the end of the cycle through. Um, and it just made sense. It just was like, you know, gas is $5 or whatever it was, a gallon. I think somebody would pay 47 bucks if they thought that they could save money on gas. And it just kind of made sense. And the thing took off, but mostly I was just focused on what are people already buying, and I want to promote those things because I know that people are already spending money on this. I just want to get into the flow of money that's already flowing, right? You know, so that's kind of how I was doing the research and trying to find stuff that fit that profile. Okay, so um, you know where you're saying that you're you're, you're seeing that uh, if people are buying or not, are you like? How are you getting the numbers like these many people like purchases or are you just like looking at like, you know, some, some reviews, there's a lot of reviews for this product. The big one was if I searched, uh Oh, am I still here? Yeah. You're My still lights here. Are flickering. <laughs> if I search Google and see a lot of ads, then I know money is being made. Cause literally like if you go to Google and you search a keyword and you see ads everywhere, littered up and down Google search result pages. It's money being made because I understood by then I understood the game of Google and pay-per-click and Google's a publicly traded company by then, you know? So I understood like, okay, you know, cost per click Google, you can go and see what a click cost on a particular keyword. So I could see like, okay, these people are spending money on these keywords. Other people are spending money on these keywords somebody's making money. I don't think these people are just consistently spending. And they had these spy tools like SpyFu. I think SpyFu was out back then. I don't think there was, 
they was like really early in the in the in the spying uh game. I think it was spy food. I don't know if if that was another one. But you can go in there and you can see like cause I think it was like fifty dollars a month or whatever it was. So I signed up for that and I could see like these keywords and how much people are paying and how much traffic they're getting. So then I'm like, okay, these people are spending money. They got to be making money. No one's spending $30,000 a month, $50,000 a month or whatever it was. And they're not making any money, you know? So clearly these things are making money. And that's kind of one of the ways that I was able to identify that, you know, with just different tools that were on the market. And that's probably some other tools that I forgot about now. That's probably just not around anymore, but, but um, but uh, but it was it's, it's always you know a lot of tools early on in the game that can give you a lot of even Google Google with Google was way more freely giving you information back then than they are now uh, about you know different aspects too. So I could tell like where the money was being spent, and that's how I was able to know you know from that type of stuff. Okay, so that makes so much sense. But it's 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 amazing how we see you, you know, uh, starting, you know, initially by spending that little amount that you have, and then how you're actually growing it. So it's really nice for the viewers as well, you know, who are actually trying to make, uh, you know, a living online and trying to get, you know, to 10k a month. So it's really nice for them to see, you know, your journey, how you're you're uh, getting up there. Um, so. You know, you tested your stuff uh, and then you, from October to like February, you know, you're testing your stuff. You haven't really made a lot of money. How did you, and you know, like now I can also see from the story that you told me that, you know, you're still spending money um, and you're, you're not profitable. Uh, at that point, is it painful? Very, <laughs> very. Cause I got a wife and two kids and I don't have any income coming in. My wife is holding it down. So I'm spending the last money that we have, you know what I mean? Like our savings, I'm spending that money. My wife is paying the bills and keeping the, keeping everything going, you know, and I'm taking the money that we had saved and I'm spending it on this. It's very painful because there were nights where you question yourself, you know, especially, you know, having a family and having children and feeling like maybe I'm taking food out of my kid's mouth because I got this crazy idea you know, but I just felt like I was right, you know, and I just, I had to, I had to really sit down with myself and say, do I want to look back and wish I would have did this or do I want to do it and then just deal with the, deal with the, the, the consequences. And I was so strongly believed that I could do this because I'm seeing all of these other people in these forums and all of these guys talking about how they killing and they making all of this money. And I was like, I know these dudes ain't smarter than me. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I can do this. I know I can. That's, I know I can do this. You know, but the pain was really in the idea of you're spending money not knowing where this is going and you're having to account, you're having to be accountable to someone else and other people. And that was really challenging. That's very hard. There were nights where I cried. There were nights where um, I, I questioned myself. Um, but I would always come back to you know, I have to, I have to do this. And I made a, a pact, you know, with, with, with God and was like, if I spend this money and I don't get any sign that this is going to work, I got to go get a job. And I was intent on holding that to myself, being true to that for myself, that if I don't get anything, I, I got to go get a job and I got to, I got to do something else. Cause this ain't, this must not be what God has in store for me. And uh, and I got that thirty three dollar commission, and that was 
that was the signal. You know, because I had even told my wife the same thing. It's like, look, if I get to this point where I spend this money and I don't get anything, you know, I'm going to go get a job. You know, and she was like, okay. You know, that would really got her to be like, okay. She was like, okay, that's fine. I was like, I know we probably going to be spent out or whatever the case may be. But my brother had already told me, too. He was like, yo, if you need something, let me know. Because he knew what my circumstance was. And I was like, man, I'm going to try to figure it out. If I call you, I really need you. And he was like, cool. My uncle had told me the same thing. So so I knew I had that in my back pocket that if I spent out, I could go find a job and then I could get one of them to kind of help me out as we kind of uh, bridge that gap of me getting to working and getting money coming in and then I could pay them back or whatever the case may be. But they wasn't going to give me money to just enable me. It was The thing was like if I needed help. So I knew I could go to my brother and be like, hey, man, I need five grand or three grand or whatever the amount is. I got this job. It's not going to blah, blah, blah. And he would have supported that, you know. But even with the thing, too, it was I was telling him what I was doing. You know, he was very supportive. You know, my uncle, they were very supportive. So having people in your corner, you know, is a big deal. But um, but it was very painful, man. Very, very painful. Um, um, probably more so than, than, than I can even admit or, or even get into just because it wasn't about me. It was like I had two kids. I'm married. And I'm accountable for these people. And I had been up to that point. I was the breadwinner. I had always been the breadwinner. Obviously, I'm the breadwinner now. But, like, I had been, my wife, you know, married me because she believed that I was going to be, you know, she, she believed in me. You know, I didn't have nothing when we got together. But I told her, like, I'm going to do it. And she believed that, you know. So, so to have the tables turn where now I got to depend on her, I felt less than a man. I felt um, it was a lot of emotions, man, that it was very painful. But my thirst for or just my belief in this working was so great. Now I was willing to risk it all, man. I feel like I didn't have any other options, to be honest with you, man. I felt like if I don't make this Internet thing work, I'm going to have to go and work a job and just be a regular, average, ordinary guy, you know. And that scared that scared me, man. And I was just like, you know what? I'll deal with the consequences, the fallout. I can't, I, I got to take this opportunity. I, I don't, I had to do it, but, but pain is, it was very painful. Very, very painful. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. You know, you had so much family support, you know, uh, even though, you know, you didn't have much success early on, which is hard when you don't have that family support. Um, I want to uh, talk about, um, you know, uh, so you have like two points you have like one is like being successful in a job which you don't have right now and then you're saying that on the other side was just being a regular guy working nine to five it yeah. seems like that was such a huge gap like the pain going back to work was so not worth it like you were ready to risk everything, everything. for that and then you don't even have that like how how why like i don't know how did you, how did you ask uh, any entrepreneur that question? And they'll probably, they don't, I don't know. It's just that, that was just the scariest thing for me was just like, you know, that's, I mean, I already had decided I was going to be an entrepreneur. I've been, ever since I was young, I knew I wanted to be, but I made a decision in 2005 to incorporate my company. And I didn't even know what I was going to do. I was like consulting is going to go in the name because I'm going to do something consulting, you know. And I just knew that I had already started plotting my exit from corporate 
in, in, in a job and management and all of this stuff at that point. So leading up to that point, I was saving money to put myself in that position. And then I, um, at the end of 2005, I actually quit my job. My second child was born, my oldest daughter, in November 1st, November 30th, I left that job because I had saved this money to start my business that I incorporated. And I failed miserably because I was doing some eBay stuff and I had some other things that was going at the time. But, you know, that first half of 2006, I failed miserably. And I burned through all of the cash that I had saved, like, really quickly. And so what happened then was I had to go back into the workforce about halfway through 2006, which then led from that about seven or eight months prior to the heart failure, I went through like three jobs, you know what I mean? Because I was just kind of started one thing and then I didn't like the thing and then I went to this other thing and then the other job, I liked it, but I got recruited by another company from that job. So by the time I left the second job and went to the third one, that was the last job that I had before I got sick, but I was literally, I started there in like December of 2006. And February, you know, halfway through February is when I heart failure. I wasn't even 90 days. I think I was like 15 or 20 days short of being 90. And so they didn't have to keep me on as a manager. I had to get that 30, 90 day threshold to keep my benefits and all of that, and I didn't. So I basically was out of a job when I got sick they didn't keep me. My benefits didn't kick in. Luckily, my wife had a job, and I had to go off of her, you know, insurance and everything like that. So, but um, yeah, man, I just was already decided that I didn't want to do that anyway. And so for me, I just was like, "There's no way I'm gonna make this. I gotta make this. Like, I don't have any other choice. Either I want to go back to working for somebody, or I can take this opportunity now where I'm at rock bottom. You know." Now is the best time, I think, for me to take this risk because worst thing that can happen, I can always go get a job. You know, that's kind of how I thought about it. And so the pain of that was just too great, you know, and I just, you know, I was just like, at all costs, I'm going to avoid going going back and working for somebody, you know. And, like, I want to, like, ask you that. Like, why is, like, working for someone else and just being a regular person, why was it so painful for you? I think I wanted freedom. I wanted um, I wanted control over my future. I wanted um, I didn't I didn't see a path to. I had a I had a guy I met. He was an Asian guy, um, and he was driving. This guy would be riding around in this beat up Honda Accord, and people would always talk about how wealthy this guy was, and I was just like. You know, because where I'm from, we wear our wealth. You know what I mean? If you ain't got the big chain on, you ain't got the fancy car with the rims on it, the big house, you know what I mean? Which is stuff, stupid stuff that I did after I started making money, you know. But, um, you know, we wear our, you know, we wear it. And really, people that look like they got a lot of money is probably not really wealthy, you know what I mean? They just look like they got, you know, big chains and all of this stuff. Usually aren't the wealthy people, but, you know, I didn't know this. And, um, you know, the guy was like um, – you know, basically, uh, if you want to be wealthy, it shows, show me someone that's wealthy that works for someone. You know, when you can do that, call me. 
and I could never find that. And so that always stuck with me, you know? And so I always felt like I wanted to be the one to break the generational curse. I mean, I didn't come from poverty, so I, I don't want to act like I was just like, you know, I'm from Mississippi. I'm from a little small college town. Um, you know, my, I come from a working class family. You know, I could go back to Mississippi now and I got family members and people and stuff. And, you know, folks, you know, you, I take you to my family and be like, hey, what's going on? All these cars pulling up and, you know, houses sitting on a bunch of land and all of this stuff. So I wasn't, I wasn't from poverty, but it wasn't given anything. You know what I mean? Everything I had to get, I had to earn it on my own. Like, you know, my uncle or brother or whatever, they might give, you know, might help you a little bit, but it wasn't like no, you know, we just going to set you up. It wasn't none of that going on. Like if you want to, you want to, you like my house? Like my uncle told me, you like this? You need to go work and get you one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, my cousin pull up in a nice car, a nice whip. It's like, man, you like this? It's like, you know, if you work hard enough, you can get you one, you know, type of thing. So it was always understood that if you want this, you're going to have to go get it. You're going to have to go figure out how to get it for yourself. So, so I didn't come from poverty. I come from a working class family, but I had to, you know, and so that just kind of, you know, I always wanted to be, I didn't, no one's in my family is wealthy. They're not poor, but they're not, it's not like, we got legacy, you know, and so I wanted to break that curse. I wanted to be, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be that for my family. I want to be that person, you know, and I carry it with me even to this day. I want to be the one, that's what I wanted to be. And I, I just knew that I had to make my exit at some point to that, but that was really what was driving me. And so I just saw this opportunity and I just like, I had to take it, but I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be wealthy and, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with working for people because you got to understand, even in my career from 2007 to now, there have been points in time where I went and worked for someone because I understood the value of what that experience is going to give me to help me achieve my objective. But at that time, I was just purely on a, this guy, you know, this mindset was, you know, I don't know anyone wealthy. If you can show me someone that's wealthy, that works for someone, you know, I'll wait. And I mean, obviously there are CEOs and things like that that make large sums of money, but, you know, very rarely will you find a wealthy person that worked for somebody, you know? And so, so for me, I just, that kind of stuck with me and I was just like, man, I got to chart my own path, you know? Uh, so that's what it is. Okay. So, um, you know, when you, when you decided to become an entrepreneur and you wanted to like, you know, acquire wealth, um, did you, did you like, um, like, how did you let go? Uh, actually, actually, like, did you have any incident at work that said, hey, I don't want to work with someone, uh, anyone else? <laughs> how many times? You know what I'm saying? I got so many stories of that. It's ridiculous, you know. Uh, most of the time, I had to think about my family in order to um, humble myself, you know, and not do something stupid. That's been several times where I've walked off of jobs because it's like, I don't have to take this. You know what I mean? And I would walk off. And then my wife would be like, what is wrong with you? You know, whatever. And then, you know, we'd go through this roller coaster and I'd have to find another job because the money would get funny and stuff like that or whatever. But man, I had so many of those instances. But um, I think having a family, man, really would force me to grow up because I had a hustle mentality, man. I had so many hustles growing up, I can't even count them anymore. I always had a hustle to make money. That was one thing my dad taught me. He was like, a man without money in his pocket is not a real man. You know, if you don't know how to get up and go get some money, 
you ain't really a real man. At least that's the way my dad described it. I get other people might not agree with that, but, you know, but I believe that. And so for me, you know, I had so many hustles, man. I've always had a hustle, a side hustle, a main hustle, another hustle, you know. And so um, I just, you know, that was that was the gift and the curse, you know, because, you know, having a family, it made me realize I got to, I can do all of this, you know, but I got to have something consistent. You know what I mean? I got to have something consistent because my son, you know, uh, he, you know, he consistently is hungry. You know, my daughter is consistently hungry. My light bill is consistent, you know? And so when you start having these responsibilities, I had to start realizing like, I need to be consistent. And then luckily for me, I actually graduated from college because of my grandmother. I had promised that I would do that. I, I had actually sat out for like a year and then my grandmother got sick. She had had a stroke and I had promised her that I would graduate. And so that was really made me go back to college. I was like, college is, College sucks. You know what I'm saying? College ain't learning, you know. But, like, because I had made that promise to her, I went. But that would really would allow me to be like, okay, now that I got this family and this, that, and the, like, I got to get something that's consistent. I got to get, I got to get, you know, and that's kind of how I ended up getting into management and all of that because I need, I needed a consistent paycheck and I needed to be able to save money to be able to do this entrepreneurial thing. I understood the failure of entrepreneurship you know, when you don't have money to invest in building your business. So my thing was like, okay, I got to work. And that's going to give me two things. I'm going to have consistent income to take care of my family. And I'm going to be able to save to be able to do what it is that I want to do. So, so I had to be humbled in a lot of instances where I didn't want to put up with whatever it was, but I had to be like, bite my tongue or whatever. Cause it's like, I need this job right now because I don't have the money to go do what it is that I really want to do. And not only that, I need this money because I got bills and I got responsibilities. So, so that made me really grow up. Having a family was like, yo, you gotta, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do to make sure you take care of your, your responsibilities. And that's what really slowed me down a lot, to be honest. Okay, so um, going back, you know, like to to what you mentioned earlier, you know, um, you know, by the amazing stories. Um, I want to like uh, talk to you about like you know when you were saying that you were, when you were building up your company you were testing out uh, you know marketing online with the affiliates and these offers and stuff. Uh, a lot of the time, this stuff is kind of boring. Um, you know, there's a lot more fun stuff you can do. Like I don't know, like go to a barbecue or just watch a movie and stuff. How were you able to make those sacrifices and just focus on doing the boring work and saying that it would pay off later? I don't, I don't see it as, I don't see it that way, man. I never seen it that way. I, you know, success is a game to me, you know, and I like a challenge, you know, and um, I don't know, man. I never saw it that way. I just, you know, obviously I indulge and, you know, I hang out or whatever and things like that. And I don't, I don't, I, don't, I have to unwind from this stuff, but um, for the most part, man, I kind of, was obsessed with success early on. And then once I saw a bit of success, um, I was being driven by the ups and downs of this business. You know, or any entrepreneur tell you, you know, how often they fail. There's a lot of failure in what we do. Um, so you could get, you know, a, a great situation and then something crazy happens and then you got to reinvent yourself or you got to rebuild or, you know, and so, so once I tasted a bit of success, you know, that gave me a lot of confidence that I that I could do it. And then it was more about uh, being obsessed with being consistent, you know. And then I went from being obsessed with being consistent to being obsessed with being great 
and what I do. And then I went from being um, from that to saying, now how do I turn this into wealth? Because I figure out how to make money, but I haven't figured out how to become wealthy. Because making money is, you know, I can make money. I ain't, I mean, I'm I'm good enough at this point. I feel like I don't never have to worry about making money in this industry again. Um, that's just kind of how I feel. But I have not. But it, the the wealth building has escaped me, and so now I'm just kind of obsessed with that. But even in lieu of that, going through the process of being wealthy and becoming an investor and making bad investments and all kinds of stuff, you know, I realized my pockets weren't deep enough. So I said, okay, I got to make, I need a lot more money than I thought to really be able to uh, support the lifestyle that I want my family to have and then be able to play this investment game on a loan game because you still got the, you know, responsibilities and, you know, and there's a lot going on with kids and about to go to college and this, that, and the third and employees and salaries and, you know, whatever. So I have a lot of more responsibilities, not just in my immediate family. You know, um, I got a lot of other responsibilities. And so it's like, okay, I really need to sit down and just focus on building my company to a point where I can remove myself from it, but it still functions, you know, for the most part without me. And it still generates revenue to give me the freedom that I need to kind of go and play this kind of investor game, but I never really seen it as a, I mean, I think there are times where I had to sacrifice um, because my wife doesn't see it my way or my kids don't see it my way. And so I don't think it's necessarily a sacrifice in my mind, but I understand that how that affects the people that I care about. And when, I'm so tied up in what I'm doing that it's affecting them to a certain point. Then I have to take that into consideration and understand like, okay, I got a balance between what I want to be doing and how this is going to, what I'm doing is affecting the people around me. So I had to find that balance, you know, and it changes over time because they got to the point now where my kids, my youngest is 12, my oldest is 17 and my other daughter is 14. So my two youngest girls, 14 and 12 and like they don't you know I mean they love their dad but like they can function in their own environment without like they're not really paying attention to me like that versus you know when they were two three five years old like I can't get away from them you know but now they kind of like dad go go do whatever you're doing get away you know type of thing like they just be they on their whole they become their own little individual you know whatever so now as they're gotten older you know I have a lot more time to kind of be you know focused but um I never really seen it as a sacrifice in my mind, but I understand why other people do see it that way. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm just kind of obsessed with, you know, um, certain aspects of this game. And, and then also for me, like, you know, I love numbers and data and patterns and um, pattern recognition and analytics. And, you know, I really, man, you know, I'm, I'm to me, it's like, I, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like, if I can look at numbers and data and patterns and study them and figure out cool stuff and extract things from them that can make money, like it's, it's so fun to me, you know, but other people be like, man, that's boring. And it's like, I understand that too, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really see it that way. I guess, I guess I don't really know how to describe that other than, you know, in my mindset, I don't really see it that way for me. It's just more about what other people that are around me that I care about how they take it. And I have to adjust according to them. You know, but for me, like I could do this all day, you know, every day, which is 
for the most part what I do, but you know, <laughs> being a family man, I got to keep in mind that, you know, I got family and friends and siblings and, you know, children and wife and all of this kind of stuff. Okay. So when you were actually focusing on like actually building this thing, um, a lot of the times, you know, when it's not working out, um, you know, you really like uh, your most entrepreneurs were very hard on ourselves. Like, hey, we're, you tell yourself, hey, this is wrong. It's not working. We're not doing well. Were you like rewarding yourself and like patting yourself on the back sometimes when you were like making these little successes? Man, I don't do that enough. Um, that's one of the things that I don't do enough. Because my, I, I don't, I very rarely get fixated on what I did. It's always the next thing, you know. That was like, even like when you study like the Michael Jordans and the Kobe Bryants and the Muhammad Ali's and the, um, you know, the greats. Um, it's always like the next thing. They're always the next thing. It's, it's like, that's great. Okay, oh, I get a trophy for that. Okay, cool. You know, and they go forward. You know what I mean? So for me, I don't do that enough. I should do that more. I mean, I, I've been reminded by a lot of people you know, that I respect, like even my peers, guys that are, you know, on my level or even at a higher level, if you will, if you want to call it that, just in terms of probably more so like a revenue thing, you know, some of my peers that are that are making, you know, more money than me, you know, they'll say little things like that to me about how, you know, you're going too hard or you need to take time to celebrate your wins and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't do that nearly enough, but because I'm always just like, what's the next thing? Like, whatever the biggest thing that I did, I want to do something bigger than whatever that was. Like the biggest thing that I did can't be the biggest thing I ever do if I'm living. You know what I mean? Now, if I did the biggest thing that I did and I die tomorrow, then that was the biggest thing that I did. But as long as I'm alive, whatever the biggest thing or most successful thing that I did, I'm not going to rest with that being true. You know, so I'm off to the next thing. So I'm always about what I'm doing and not what I used to do. I tell people that a lot is one of the, consulting coaching things that I talked about when we was you know, early in the conversation. One of the challenges with that is like, <clears throat> you know, I don't ever want to sell off of what I used to do. I want to, you know, people pay me money because of what I do and not what I used to do. I'm not, don't, don't give me money to show you what I did. I'm going to take your money and feel good about it because I can show you what I'm doing and I can show you how to do what I'm doing. So for me, I don't, I don't really celebrate uh, like that. You know, I'm just not that dude, but I should. I definitely should do it more. I don't do it enough. So what's something that you're very proud of that in one of your successes that you've had recently? And then you can mention, you know, uh, maybe a success that you want to attain in the future. That's very close. Um, man, there's a, there's, there's several of them. I mean, some of the, I mean, obviously, um, I, I, that that interview with Brian, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, Brian had privately, you know, gave me some props, but you know, for to hear him publicly, um, you know, very rarely do you get that in this industry. I've had a lot of people, I've helped a lot of people be successful in the background that you probably would never know about because they're not going to talk about it, and that's okay. It is what it is. As long as we know what's going on, that's all that matter. But to get public. Um, to get a, a someone to publicly, um, you know, um, I don't know the word that I'm using to, to appreciate. To, yeah, appreciate or just like give you props, you know, about how you help them, you know, in their career. You know, to me, man, there's nothing more satisfying, you know, because 
you know, I'm on a mission now. I want, I want hundreds of stories like that. And I think early in my career, I got sidetracked with making a lot of people rich and, and, and not becoming as rich in the process, you know, getting peanuts in the grand scheme of things. And, and um, you know, that was a trigger moment for me where uh, one of my large, you know, big successes, this company Organifi, I talk about them a lot and I'm at a point now where I don't want to talk about them really anymore. Not because I don't dislike them. I really love them. I love what they do. Um, I had a great experience working with them, but um, I want to, I want to be, I want something bigger than that. You know what I mean? And Organifi is doing extremely well. I helped them, I helped them um, scale Organifi from, you know, very small to, you know, three and a half years, we went from almost nothing to about 30 million in revenue. And um, since then, they've gone on. I haven't worked with them now in about two, it's probably been about two years, a little, probably over two years now. But, you know, they've surpassed that in annual revenue at this point. What their numbers are, I don't know, but but they're doing they're doing extremely well. And I, I, I felt like I was a pivotal part of helping them uh, reach that. And so, you know, my goal is like, I want, I want to be a pivotal in something, you know, 10 times bigger than that, you know, but um, that was, that was a big one. Um, and like I say, just anytime, you know, there's, there's a lot of other ish, uh, instances where I've helped people uh, become really successful that isn't talked about. And, you know, I'm not here to, you know, talk about, you know what I mean? Like, like the Organifi thing is out there. So, you know, for me to bring them up, that's a known thing. You know, it's out there, you know, so it is what it is. I mean, Jamel, who's the CEO now, um, you know, that's, I had a testimony from him on my website of him telling, you know, kind of talking about, yo, this, da, 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 da. you know, this guy helped us or whatever the case may be. So, you know, then obviously Brian and then, you know, there's a bunch of other testimonials and, you know, I got a bunch of people who have publicly, you know, um, told it, but I, there's a lot of people privately that that I've helped to, you know, do substantial things that isn't out there and isn't my job to, you know, put it out there, if you will, because I'm not really, you know, clout chasing or nothing like that. But, you know, I do value those people like Brian who will speak on it themselves. So I don't have to be the one talking about, oh, yeah, Dean Graziosa hired me and I helped them blow up their YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, that just ain't my thing. You know what I mean? I mean, I know what happened, but, you know, I don't I do not do that. So to see Brian actually speak on it, you know, is way more powerful than me walking around talking about it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people in our space, they know, they know their name, Dean. So when I start tossing Dean's name around like that, you know, people will listen and pay attention to that, but you know, I don't. I don't want to be the guy. You know, trying to uh, clout chase or ride on somebody's name or whatever the case may be. I was just one piece of a bigger puzzle. I mean, Dean's thing is way bigger than Tommy. There was a lot there that allowed myself and Brian to help Dean do that. That didn't have nothing to do with us. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, man. I, I would say just like public acknowledgement from people who. You know, just tell the truth about what the experience was, and and uh, you know, I appreciate that stuff. And uh, you know, now I'm just kind of building. I have a couple of investments that I'm working on now that are doing very well. Um, I worked at this company called 500 Startups. I wasn't an employee; I was a contractor. But 
They they are a matter of fact. I'm drinking out of a 500 thing right now. Shout out 500 startups. They're a VC firm based in Silicon Valley. They want they the most active VC uh, in the world because they do um, their deal sizes. So they got thousands of companies in their portfolio. But I spent probably about two years, you know, really good, you know, kind of back and forth Silicon Valley. That was a great experience for me. I learned a ton. It took me to another level. And um, it's, it's a really unique thing. I'm very proud of it as well because it's very unique for somebody, A, that looks like me, somebody, B, that comes from where I come from, uh, and, and to be uh, in this game on the direct response, you know, kind of internet marketing, if you will, world, to then be exposed to this type of world where I'm not a not very many people of our background are in that world. Um, very unique thing, uh, position for me. And I'm really proud of it uh, more than anything because I fit into the culture when I think I, I wouldn't. And the lasting relationships that I developed with people that don't look like me, um, that I value, who also value what I have to bring to the table. It just gave me a different perspective on a lot of things because you know, sometimes you spend your time around a lot of people that look like you, act like you, think like you, or whatever the case may be, and then you get around people that are, you know, you seemingly don't have anything in common with, um, you know, can be scary. And it was just a huge moment for me just in terms of growth where, um, honestly, I ended up finding out I had a lot in common with them. It just was, you know, maybe we was different countries or maybe we different nationalities or maybe we like different types of food or maybe, you know, we, you know, sexual orientation is like a bunch of different versions of it where it's like, even in spite of all of that, you find these people and it's like, holy cow, it's like this person is so freaking different from me yet. We got so many things in common and I built some great, great relationships out of that. And it was an, it was an amazing experience for me. So, so I'm really proud of that. You know, I'm really proud of it. So, yeah, that's a lot of success stories to have, you know, under your belt. Um, I want to go over, like, you know, uh, just a, a, a couple of points. So, um, you know, when you started working for Organifi and helping them scale from zero to 30 million, um, like, normally what you do is, like, for example, you tell them a plan that like, create these, like, 10 videos. We're going to use these 10 videos and we're going to put it on YouTube and we're going to put ads on this to, to get promotions. Yeah, I do want to clarify one thing. I probably said that wrong. Um, probably just kind of how it came out. But Organifi wasn't really at zero. Well, Organifi, the company was at zero, if you will. Um, but um, Fit Life TV is um, so Drew Cannoli uh, had Fit Life TV, and they were already selling digital programs. So they wasn't. It wasn't like a startup. No, you know, they just kind of pivoted. You know, from the digital products to the physical products from the Fit Life TV brand to the Organifi brand. So I do want to clarify that. So they wasn't just like zero, but it was like compared to where they at now from where they were when I was working with them and when they were doing that, Organifi wasn't existing really. Well, I think maybe they had incorporated it, but that wasn't, they wasn't doing anything with it yet. Uh, but they were already doing um, their, their digital programs and they had had some traction on that. We was able to take that and use that with the Organifi brand. But but to answer your question, um, it kind of started out where, you know, Drew was already doing video, you know. So it was like a slam dunk for me 
with the with the skill set that I had with the YouTube ads because when they hired me, it wasn't a YouTube ads thing. It was really just uh, uh, one of my clients that I had just made a ton of money for. Um, we were in Traffic and Conversion Summit, and he introduced me to Drew and was like, yo, this guy right here is, you know, he just was bigging me all the way up, you know. And I had just made this guy a crap ton of money, and, you know, he just bigged me up, and him and Drew were cool. And he was just basically like, hey, man, if you're going to do the paid traffic thing and really figure it out, you need to hire this guy, like right there, like right on the spot. And so I think Drew kind of, you know, took that from him and was just kind of like, well, if this guy is saying that, you know, because I, I think he had a lot of respect for him or, and probably still do. You know, if this guy is saying that about this guy, it's a, you know, he's a, he's a quick decision maker like myself. Like I'm a, like I'm, I'm pretty, like once I decide to do something, I'm pretty swift in deciding and doing. And uh, I think it was just in that moment that he decided he wanted to work with me because of the way, you know, I was positioned to him. So, so, but it wasn't like come and do these YouTube ads. It was just kind of like, you know, because for him, we was doing YouTube ads. We were doing um, uh, native and display ads and, like, all of this different stuff. And um, uh, we, we we blew that thing up. We probably did probably eight figures in, in less than a year uh, with that particular project. And so so it was just kind of an alley-oop, really, you know, with them. So when I started working with them early on, I realized that, that what they were doing wasn't going to work. You know, and I told them, you know, and I didn't even know about Organifi at first. They were talking about these digital programs and this, that, and the third. And so we ended up taking a hiatus because they had some stuff and they was like, yo, look, we got some things we got to work out. We need to take a break and then we can come back together. And uh, probably about two, three months after that, they hit me up and was like, you know, wanted to talk. And they was like, we got this thing, Organifi, da, 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 da. And they started kind of breaking it down and showing me what it was. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be crazy. We're going to do 20 million, you know, and they were like 20. I was like, we're going to do 20 million. If y'all listen to me, we're going to, you know, and it was just like really exciting. And um, when I came into it, it was like, they were already making videos. They had a channel and all of this. And it's like, I got these skills with YouTube ads and it already made sense. And then one of the things was copywriting was a challenge. And it's like, we got to bring a copywriter. So the same guy that, introduced me to Drew. I was like, yo, I got a guy that we worked together. We just made a bunch of money together. I think you should hire this guy to do the copy because that's what's going to be a big deal for us to be able to do because y'all got everything else. And so what they decided to do was a VSL, a video sales letter. So between all of the videos that Drew was already making and these video sales letters that they were cranking out, I was able to take all of that and plug it in the YouTube ecosystem and it kind of just took off from there. Um, and actually, speaking of that too, Russell, because I see Russell's books in the background, he was the one that originally helped them with their funnel on that as well. So, so we had a really strong funnel out of the gate. Um, you know, these guys were already making these videos. I'm just saying, hey, for these ads, do X, Y, Z, you know, one, two, three, ABC, you know, with what you're already doing and give it this flavor. You know, and they were just cranking them out. I mean... Gosh, my time working with them, dude, we tested over a thousand videos, man. You know, and a lot of people be like, holy crap. And I'm like, yeah, you know, because they was already had a machine. They was already doing that. So I, it wasn't something that I had to make them do. It was like, just give them some game on for these ads. Let's do these things. And then they just was like, okay. And then it's like, boom, what else you need? You know, and we kind of just ran with it like that. But 
Um, I think we started out, we probably started out with 10 or 20 videos, to be honest, because they already, they already had a bunch of videos. And some of the videos we could repurpose for ads, and then they end up making some new ones. Um, so out of the gate, I had a lot of creative to work with, you know, and that just played in my favor. Okay, so for these videos, uh, are you telling them to, to use them as, as content pieces and you're telling them, like, you know, what type of videos to make? Or you're just using them based on, like, you know, uh, just to have uh, different types of uh, videos for different environments? Yeah, I mean, we were, it was a combination of things. It was, it was like, here goes some ideas I want you guys to make. And so they had an in-house copywriter, David, who I was working with that would do the scripting. So David and I would bump heads. I would have these ideas and David would take those ideas and form them into a script. And then he could take that script and then they would shoot it, you know? So, so I was lucky in the regard of blessed or however you want to say it in the regard that I had someone who, you know, I wasn't a script writer. I wasn't at that time. Like, you know, now my team, we can do all of that stuff, but I wasn't, I wasn't really, it was just more or less like I have these ideas and as we bumping heads on it, it's like, I think it's a better idea because David would just give this feedback. And I was just like, I think it's a better idea that, or maybe it was David's idea. Maybe it was somebody else's idea, to be honest with you. I don't know. But it was, it was like, it's probably better that I come up with these ideas of because I understand the framework for the ads. And I give these ideas to David, and then David can form that into, you know, a script because they were already doing that. You know, so all he had to do was just kind of take his process and kind of sprinkle what I'm talking about on it. And then the same handed off. So it was really more seamless by the time Drew went to do his thing. It was kind of seamless. So so it was a bit of that. And then we were also taking um, content videos and repurposing those for ads because you could basically take a content video and chop it and slice it or whatever the case may be. You know, you can cut it and put pieces together. There's a lot of ways you can take content that already exists and reformulate them in the ad. So we had that in our bag because we had editors and already, they were already in heavy in video. They were already like super heavy in video. So then it became, okay, now what I got to do is get with the editing team and say, you know, take these videos. Here's the idea that I have with them and you guys take them and then boom, and then they take them and repurpose them. You know, or then we take content pieces and we shoot intros. You know, we shoot five or ten, you know, five to ten second intros and then put them in front of it, you know. So I could take a content piece and put like five introductions on it. And then now I got five versions of, you know, and it was just like all these crazy things that I had available to me because they kind of had this infrastructure already that I got to tap into. And so it was a lot. It was a variation of things. And so out of the gate, I just had a lot to work with. At, from the beginning and all the way through. Okay, so these videos that you're creating, are you creating like um, like more information videos? Like, you know, they're talking about more about the product. They're like giving testimonies about the product and you're just like telling them, you know, how to like, you know, create these different types of videos like this? Yeah, we were testimonials were huge. Well, we take, you know, customers uh, perspective. Uh, we take, um, Benefit driven videos, feature, feature benefit type stuff, story based videos where, you know, it's kind of like, it's like the outcome. Um, I call it the outcome script. Basically, it's like, 
you know, you're everyone's selling an outcome. People buy outcomes, right? People buy people buy results. People spend money because they want a particular thing for their money. The thing is worth more than the money. That's why they part with it, right? So the thing is, like, what's the outcome that this product gives you or gives our customers are buying this product because they want this result, this outcome. So a lot of times we would create videos around that where, you know, right out of the gate, the whole concept of the video is how to get X, you know, you know, insert outcome, how to get insert outcome. Uh, that's the bait. That's to keep them watching. And then we tell a story of how we were able to get that or we explain the process of getting that. And then you care, and then and then you um, you 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 close the gap in all of that to your product being that solution. So it's kind of like outcome. Then there's either a story, or a or a or a process. You know, like a how-to video, because that's what a lot of people go to do. I think this is one of the times where it's like seventy percent of the people on YouTube. Uh, uh, watching how-to videos at that time is probably a little different now, but like two times. This is like 2015. It was like, I think I think I heard the CEO of YouTube say that, you know, at a, at a conference like VidCon or something. And I was like, oh, okay. So then it became, you know, very beginning. We focus on this outcome of, you know, how to get this outcome. And then we plug in, you know, this kind of how to do that. And then our product is either the solution or the shortcut to it, you know. And so we just made a bunch of versions of those. So it's a lot of different variations on them. But yeah, we, we did all of those things. Everything you're talking about, we did all of this stuff. Okay, so you shared a lot of gold. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so it seems like you're creating more content first and information and, and, and storytelling and stuff before you try to sell anything. Um, yeah, you could say that. I think it varies depending on... Because you got to understand we're selling a product. There's yeah. not... So like a webinar funnel, you're not selling the whatever you're selling. Like the webinar, you might be selling a $1,000 thing or $2,000 thing. You don't sell that in the video. You sell the class or the training or the the webinar, you know, that they signing up for is what you're selling, right? So, so yeah, you're selling in your video, but the selling is based on what's the action, right? Because if it's like download this free thing because I'm going to put you in my email follow-up sequence, then the thing you're selling in the video is the thing that you want them to opt in for. If it's a webinar, it's the webinar. If it's an actual product, the thing about selling an actual product, particularly physical product straight away, and you can do this with digital products as well. You tend to do need more content, more story, more stuff like that to really um, uh, engage the people. Cause the first thing you gotta do is get their attention and then you gotta engage them. And in the process of doing both of those, there has to be relevance to what your ultimate, you know, action that you want them to take is. So, so you're doing a lot more of that when you sell it straight up versus like, you know, sell later where it's like web register for my webinar and then you're going to watch it. Then I'm going to sell you something or sign up for this free thing, ebook, whatever. Right. And then I'm going to sell you something after the fact, but you know, you're always selling whatever the main action that you use and the more commitment related to that action, the more I think it takes persuasive conversation that is going to take to get people to take that particular action. Right. So I'm going to be studying Organifi like uh, like very much on YouTube and right. a lot of details. You should. <laughs> I don't run their YouTube anymore, but they still doing really well. 
Yeah, so yeah, thank you for that. Um, and um, so um, for internal like, strategy, for YouTube strategy, just for the audience, for them to understand, like when you uh, place an ad on, on a video, like are you doing it in the beginning, in the middle, at the end? Are you doing it on your own videos or on other people's videos? So um, there's two ways to run them. There's in-stream, there's dis uh, discovery. So when you run in-stream, those are the ones that play before another video you're about to watch and you have to skip. So th that's one way. And then you have the discovery ads. These are the ones that um, the ad shows in the recommended section on YouTube on the right-hand side um, where you'll see like an ad sitting there and you click on it and it take you to a video. So there's two different ways to run them. Um, now, when I ran Organifi and a couple of other ones that I did prior to Organifi, where we did, you know, like seven figures, we were running more of a VSL model where we would upload the entire video. And then we'd run what's called discovery ads. Now, they used to be called in display. So what happens is somebody see that recommended video, uh, the ad sitting in those recommended videos, and they click that. It take them to our video on YouTube. But that video really is a 30, 40, 50, one, minute, one guy had an hour and 10 minute VSL, where it's basically a persuasive video selling. We ran that, I ran that with a lot of success early. But but the thing that changed the game was um, was uh, the algorithm, artificial intelligence really changed the game because when Google came out with True View for Action, uh, some people call it target CPA, um, which is just a bid strategy. Target CPA is a bid strategy. It's how to bid to get the algorithm to show your ad, right? This is what you're bidding. But <clears throat> the, uh, the, the actual unit is called true view for action. And these are ran through in stream. And so what happens is the algorithm, you can leverage the algorithm to go find people to take the action that you want. So if I want a webinar registration, I would place a conversion action that denotes when somebody registers for my webinar, when they land on the next page, there's a pixel there that says, you know, webinar registration. The that goes back into Google. The algorithm recognizes that the action that I wanted happened. So now what happens is, the smarter the algorithm gets, the artificial intelligence gets about the action that you want, the more likely it'll go find it for you. And that was a complete game changer. So what happened in 2017, 2018, we went from predominantly doing the in the discovery or in display type ads, which probably like 80, 20, you know, maybe 20% in stream, 80% display to now we do about 80 to 90% in stream to discovery uh, now because true for action leverages the artificial intelligence. And when that thing is smart, it's really good. I mean, it's up there. I mean, Facebook's is great as well, but you, but Google is right in, in right there with Facebook. And so we want to leverage the algorithm now. So we run a lot of in stream now because, um, because of the ability to uh, use the artificial intelligence to our favor. So, so that's, you know, probably a longer answer, but, you know, it, it, it changed, you know, and so now we run heavy, I would say at least 80%, maybe closer to 90%, definitely 90 on some of our accounts, but I would say definitely over 80% of what we run are in stream, true view for action type campaigns, because 
you know, we can bid, you know, based on what that action is worth or whether our registration, okay, it's worth five bucks or seven bucks or 10 bucks or $3 or whatever your price point is. Um, you can, you can tell that, Hey, I want to pay $5 for this action. And then it'll go and try to deliver that to you. And, um, it works amazing. Awesome. Thank you for sharing so much of that knowledge. Uh, I can't wait to like, you know, go and apply this, uh, after this interview. Um, you know, uh, you shared a lot of like golden uh, nuggets, um, and I want to like say that for my audience, you know, that they, you know, obviously they want to do really well in terms of wealth. But you know, uh, a lot of my audience are starting out, and they want to have like an online consistent income of like around 10k. So for right. the people that are just starting out, uh, how would you advise them to get started in YouTube? I would, I would say if you got money to spend and you can buy the data, you know, start there. If not, I would say, you know, I would try to find, um, you know, uh, if, if you want to go down, um, this, um, if you want to go down this lane, it depends. Like if you want to make a career out of it, then, you know, I would say work for somebody. Um, if you want to use it for your business, um, then I think you just have to, you just have to test it. And even if it's, you know, 10 bucks a day, $20 a day. Um, I mean, obviously there's courses and all of that like that or whatever. And I, I'm not selling any, you know, I haven't sold a course in some time, but you know, ain't nothing like doing it. You know what I mean? So I would say either you need to spend some money, you know, whatever is comfortable for you. Or if you want to make a career out of it, I would definitely say you probably should find somebody that you can work for or, you know, somebody that already got clients. If you don't know how to get clients, find somebody that do got clients and offer to help them. I had a guy work for me for over a year, Vinny. Um, and Vinny kind of came to me and was like, yo, I'll work for you for free for either 60 or 90 days or whatever it was. And, you know, you can decide if I'm worth paying after that. And so, you know, uh, I took him up on that offer and, um, Vinny ended up working for me for over a year and, you know, he, it, it was a game changer for him. So, you know, sometimes people are maybe not in a position to do something like that. I'm not saying that I'm looking for people to do that right now. Cause I do have a, have a team now, whatever the case may be. And at that time, that was a great offer, but you know, I think it's stuff like that, that, you know, you got to find a way to get in the game, you know, whether it be spending your own money or spend somebody else's. Um, and if you don't have clients, you know, go work for somebody that has clients and, you know, offer their help, offer to help them on that front or, or something to that degree. But you got to find a way to get in the game. And, and I think there's a lot of ways to do that. But, you know, it really boils down to spending your money or spending somebody else's because ultimately the money has to be spent. You know? All right. So thank you for sharing that. You know, uh, I just want to say, you know, awesome shirt. So thank you for wearing that. Yes. Um, okay. So, um, before we go, I know we have to close now. Um, you know, thank you for the knowledge. So, uh, if people want to reach out and like work with you, what would be the best way? Tommy Traffic, TommyTraffic.com. My name Tommy with an IE. Um, I'm Tommy Traffic everywhere. Um, I don't do social a lot, but um, you know, my website is the best way to find me or reach me. Um, I am on Tom. I am Tommy Traffic on Facebook and. Instagram and YouTube and all of that kind of stuff. And my website is TommyTraffic.com. So I do got like the little branding, you know, across all of it, but I'm just not really on social. Like I, I mean, I probably will be at some point, but as of right now, I don't really do a lot on social, but you know, my website, 
it's, it's the best place to you know go to my site, and I'm easy to find. I'm easy to get reached through that. Yeah. So when I was actually trying to search for you, like um, I found an interview on YouTube, and someone misspelled your name. They spelled uh, your last name with a Y, and so when I would search online, it was so hard to find you. And then uh, yeah, I just found somewhere that was uh, I E, and then I was able to find you. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. I try to tell people it's IE, but you know, sometimes folks don't listen. They'll put a Y on it. <laughs> you know, I quit fighting that fight a long time ago. I just, I'm very intentional about saying the IE because I know that, but you know, some people still, and I'm sure whoever that was, I told them IE and they still put a Y on it, but what can you do? <laughs> okay, awesome. So uh, this is now like the ending, and I, I, I asked all of my guests with this, and you know, uh, most of my like all my guests love this question and I leave it till the end. So I want you to imagine uh, you're at home, you go to your basement, there's a wall there. You put your hand on the wall, it scans your, your fingerprints of your hand and it opens up a door. You go inside the, the door and there's, uh, there's a lock there and only you have access to this uh, lock. It's a key. You take a key, you put it into the lock, you open the door. So that's the second door that opens up. You walk inside, there's a briefcase in that room. Okay, only you have access to this uh, combination. You put it in, you open up the briefcase. In that briefcase, there's one piece of paper. On that piece of paper, if one day you weren't on this planet, but you were to leave instructions for your daughters, for your sons, for your wife, for your uncle, for your cousins, um, you know, if you want them to have success, what would be uh, on that document? Always do the right thing, never settle for less than what you think, um, know your worth, um, and, um, you know, you know, I tell my kids this, um, when I die on my tombstone, if y'all choose to put one, the only thing I ask y'all to do is just say, here lies a man who found the world, who left the world better than he found it. They know those instructions ever since they were little. And so, so the thing that I would have on there would be, you know, make the world better than you found. Wow, that's so awesome. So, you know, Tommy, once again, thank you so much, you know, for spending all this time, you know, giving knowledge and, you know, really making, uh, you know, an impact on, on uh, you know, the audience. So, you know, thank you very much, Tommy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. All right, guys. So that's the end of the episode. Way more customers and talk to you guys on the next one. Hey guys, it's Bilal. So you guys have probably haven't any heard any new uh, podcast episodes uh, recently. Well, it's because I've been super busy. I've been currently working on a book. I'm trying to finish it and get it published as soon as possible. Um, I just didn't realize how much work it actually uh, required. Um, so I'm just like, you know, most of my time I'm just, I'm just spending like trying to finish it um, and yeah, the editing is taking a lot of time, and so I'm just trying to finish it as soon as possible. I'd like to have it done before the end of the year, um, and so most of my time is going there. So that's why probably, like, I haven't been able to uh, get any new podcast episodes uh, done with, but don't worry, uh, they are coming very soon. What I wanted to do for you uh, as my audience here in the podcast, what I wanted to do is I want to get, give you guys a little insight, you know, because um, you guys are my audience. You guys listen to my episodes. So I wanted to just give you a small peek of 
the intro of my book. Um, I'm going to read it and you guys can get that experience. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to share it with you guys, uh, you know, as as being, you know, fans of this podcast and, you know, listening to, um, you know, my interviews and what I have to say, I would really, I really appreciate that. So I just want to give back to you guys by doing this. So I'm just going to go ahead and start reading my intro. So um, the book that I'm uh, writing about, it's about finance. It's about um, how to keep more money. So the book of the, the title of the book is called Broke to Six Figures Secrets. Um, how and the subtitle is how to make how to keep more money without getting an additional job or working more hours so that's the book that i'm uh, currently writing uh, it's almost done uh, i'm just like on the final steps right now and i'm super excited of getting it released so um here you go guys so i'm going to be reading the intro for you now Alright guys, so if you want to hear the uh, intro of the book, um, what I would suggest you to do is to listen to the next episode. In the next episode, I'm going to be reading the intro of my new book, so you'll get a sneak peek of that. So um, if you want it, it'll be in the next episode. Enjoy guys. So I hope you guys enjoyed that part of the episode and the intro of the book. So I also want to do something really special for you guys as my audience of the podcast. What I want to do is I want to offer you the book for free. So um, I'm going to be leaving a link in the show notes where you can go from the link and access uh, how to get it for free. But I'm also going to be giving it to you here right now. So to get the book for free, there's a link and the sorry, there's a website and the website is howtokeepmore.com slash waitlist. A waitlist is one word and basically you go there, you sign up and once the book is complete, I'll send you an email and you'll receive my book uh, in a PDF version for free. Um, I'm only doing doing this for the first 100 people. So uh, anyone listening to this episode has obviously a better chance of getting it. So yeah, I just wanted to make it special and give you guys that for free. Um, so I'm super excited of getting it done. So uh, once again, the link is howtokeepmore.com slash waitlist. And yeah, you'll you'll have the, the book, um, you'll be able to read it and you can get all the knowledge from that book and implement it for your life. Um, so, you know, uh, thank you for listening to my episodes and I'm super excited in talking to you guys in the next episode.